macabre enthusiast and welcome back to In the Mood for Macabre, a podcast that you could listen to when you're feeling in the mood for some true crime and paranormal occurrences that would make you think twice about celebrities and cults. This is your macabre muse, Sabrina speaking, and for today, we will be talking about what is the biz with Miss Flora Delise. Your girl is in the mood for some true crime and in a way, this is going to be like those drama channels on YouTube. But the crimes involved are pretty intense. So in the spirit of giving and receiving and the joys of Christmas, I will be talking about a cult. Yes. Why? Because we're in the spirit of giving and well usually cults involve a lot of christian groups don't don't ask me why okay don't ask me why. i don't have the question as to why that is the case so it's been a while since i've uploaded a recent episode sorry about that but thanks for waiting it's been a busy month and i got a bad headache during this time and i just figured i won't be able to record as optimally as i can so yeah okay this episode is going to involve a lot of firsts we're going to be talking about our first cult here we're going to be talking about our first woman cult leader here and this is the first time that we're going to be talking about a criminal who is not from the united states yay representation just kidding sorry sorry about that we're gonna be tackling this story from the depths of rio de janeiro brazil a little bit of disclaimer because this is a Brazilian case, a lot of the sources I gathered are in Portuguese, and Portuguese is not my native language, nor do I understand any of it. So I relied a lot on Google Translate for English translations, along with reports from native Brazilians from the different areas on the internet to cross-check. So I also went for English articles of this case, which are quite a few. They don't really go deep into what happened with this case. It just scratches the surface, but not go deeper like muscle deep or bone deep. So without further ado, let us sit back, relax, and get in the mood. So let me introduce to you guys Miss Flordelis. Miss Flordelis does Santos de Souza. She's a well-known Brazilian gospel singer, pastor, missionary, and a congresswoman. According to reports, Miss Flordelis was the deal, well known in Brazil for her philanthropy and her Christian way of life that gave her this really immaculate image. So, dates. She was born on February 5, 1961, and was raised in a favela in the Jacarezinho neighborhood. So, this was located in the suburbs of Rio de Janeiro. According to sources, this was quite the violent area, and it was notable for a lot of cases involving drug trafficking and narcotic consumption. So, not good. Not much was stated in her early life or the manner in which she was raised, but you can speculate with the area she was living in. It was Probably not the best influence for her growing up. When she was around 14 years old, so we're jumping to 14, Flordelise's father and brother were involved in a car accident and neither of them survived. So that it was just her and her mother. So since her father died, 
to help make ends meet, Fleur-de-Lis began working as a clerk in a bakery. Meanwhile, her weekends were mostly spent with her mother at an evangelical church with the church choir. So she was singing, she was playing the guitar, her mother was very actively involved in church work. And all the more, she got busy and busier because apart from work, she began doing some volunteer work with children and adolescents who were victims of human trafficking and prostitution, drug trafficking, child abuse, among others. She began accommodating them in her small house, reaching more than 100 children whom she had been taking care of. And of course, because she's Christian and it is a given in a Christian household to preach about Christian values. So... This is where her preaching roots began. In 1979, at the age of 18, Fleur de Lis graduated as a teacher. She leaves her job at the bakery to pursue teaching kids in their early childhood years. So, looking good so far, Fleur de Lis. Looking good. Apparently, she got married at one point, wasn't specified which year, and had three children of her own, but was later on abandoned by her husband for reasons not specified. Three kids, abandoned, sad. I don't know if we should judge the husband for this because she didn't turn out well later on. So, Miss Lordelis, she began adopting children. So, starting off by adopting five teenagers who were involved in drug trafficking in the 90s. One of which is Anderson Del Carmo, whom she had adopted at the age of 15 and someone you should be keeping in mind throughout this story, okay? In 1984, Miss Fleur adopted 37 children at once who had been living in shelters and later on escaped amidst a massacre within their local area. Because she was housing and adopting so many children, apparently she was being pursued by the police as a kidnapper because she didn't process the papers. So, you're probably thinking, really police? Like, she's had a really good background so far. She adopted so many children to save them from destitution. So, at first when I was reading the story, I was like, okay... I know that she is the bad person in the story, but come on, if you'll address the human trafficking situation in the neighborhood, there wouldn't be people like Fleur de Lis housing children in homes. But I wasn't the only one thinking of it that way. Brazilian media and the public viewed her with such sentiment that it furthered her cause. In the end, she was able to prove her case nonetheless, along with the numerous testimonies of the children she had rescued. So imagine how much public sentiment she had gathered trying to prove that she was rescuing people from human trafficking. A lot. In 1998, she had established a ministry of her own dubbed as Ministerio Flor de Lis. So Flor de Lis's ministry where she and Anderson would later lead as pastors. So remember Anderson, the one whom I told you to remember? So yeah, she... And Anderson would lead it. She also had an album released because, after all, she was a gospel singer during the 90s. 
At this point, she's portrayed in such a positive light from the Brazilian media. She had become well-known throughout the country. People were praising her here and there, admiring her for her charity work. That they actually made a film based on her life in 2009. So the title roughly translates to Flor de Lis. It only takes one word to change, which furthered her saintly image. Here you have a lot of top actors and actresses volunteering to star in this movie. And they actually refused payment, saying that the production team should donate the money for the children who were victims of human trafficking and teenagers in rehab centers due to drug abuse. So other reports say that the money went straight to Fleur de Lis's pocket so she can take care of all of her children. All 55 of them. So for stats, there are 43 women, 12 men, three of which were biological. So her biological children are namely Adriano, Flavio, and Simone. Y'all gotta remember these names. So apart from that, she released more albums of gospel songs. And because of her fame, of course, she gained big bula from them albums. And if that wasn't enough, Miss Flor Delis actually ran for a government position. Her first two attempts ended up in failure, but third time's the charm. She became a congresswoman for Rio de Janeiro in 2019. So at this point, you're probably thinking, what? is this girl talking about Fleur de Lis from the sound of it sounds great she rescued so many kids adopted them so she could rescue more and this happened while she was on trial endured said trials and even influenced people even huge movie stars to forego their professional fees for her cause like what is so horrific about this brace yourselves because you're in for a ride. Now, let's talk about Anderson. Anderson de Carmo, if you don't remember him, he was one of the five teenagers adopted by Flor de Lis in 1993. Apparently, there is a grouping system among the children she adopted. The first batch was known to be the first gen, with Anderson and the other teenagers who were adopted to save them from human and drug trafficking. Then we have the second gen kids who were the ones she mass adopted after the first gen kids. So we have gen one, gen two. Anderson and Fleur de Lis, they met when Anderson was only 15 years old. Some sources say 14, while Fleur de Lis was 31 years old. Some sources say they met during a service that Fleur de Lis was holding in her town, and Fleur de Lis asked Anderson's mom if she could bring him up to the mountains to pray, according to Anderson's lawyer, Angelo Maximo. Pray. Okay. After the trip to the mountains, they began their relationship, and yo, she had a relationship with a minor. Uh, more things happened. Anderson. Prior to his relationship with Flor de Lis, was dating Flor de Lis's daughter, like her biological daughter, Simone. So the timeline, timeline here becomes a bit blurry. Like, they, did they date before or after he was adopted into the family? There are many sources that suggest it was ensuring, but then it contradicts the story because she adopted him. And then entered a relationship with him almost immediately after. This is as far as I could go with that because I do not understand Portuguese. 
So eventually, Fleur de Lis and Anderson, they got married. Some sources say in 1988 when Anderson was 21, which would be ideal. Others say 1994 when he was 17, and this was because the age of consent in Brazil was around 14 years old. So either way, whether they got married in 94 or 98, it was considered legal nonetheless in Brazil. So y'all remember Anderson well? All right, let's move to the part where all hell breaks loose. On June 16, 2019, Anderson, 42 years of age, was shot around 30 times by men in masks outside his home at 4 a.m., having just arrived home. An anonymous tip was called in, and a team from the 12th Military Police Battalion responded to the area where the murder had taken place. But Anderson had already been brought to the Niteroi Dior Hospital by his family members, but he would never survive his wounds eventually dying in the hospital. Anderson had a day of funeral service and was buried on the 17th. So, now, back to Flor de Lis. The love of her life was dead. Flor de Lis said robbers were responsible for the death because when she was when she and Anderson were returning home at the time, Flor de Lis said that she and Anderson were being followed by two motorcycles. Flor de Lis noted that Anderson had left something in the car so he returned to the garage momentarily before going to bed then shots were heard by the family members and they found anderson dying next to the car upon further investigation by the police though they were able to rule out robbery in this case because surveillance cameras did not capture anybody going in and out of the house so they all know there's something fishy and we're bound to find out Meanwhile, Flor Delise's sons, Flavio, biological son, and Lucas, adopted son, have been detained by police on the 17th for other crimes they have committed prior. So they were arrested during their stepfather's wake. Now, if they actually felt something for their stepfather, I would totally find it so pitiful, but y'all are about to find out. On the 19th, Police began searching Flavio's bedroom, and they discovered a pistol on top of his closet, which police were able to deduce that this was the gun used for the murder of Anderson. Flor Delisa's biological son, Flavio, actually admitted to having shot his adopted brother-stepfather six times on the 20th. This shocked Brazilian media and investigators, so much so as they decided to dig into the case further. According to Flavio, he was assisted by his younger adopted brother, Lucas, when buying the weapon used to murder Anderson. That same day, one of Flor Delise's sons, who wanted to remain anonymous, revealed that one of the sisters offered 10,000 Brazilian reals to his brother, Lucas, for the murder of Anderson. So this is equivalent to 1,961 US dollars. According to the anonymous brother, Flor de Lis and his three sisters would poison Anderson by putting some stuff in his food, which eventually yielded some health problems for Anderson. He also revealed that Anderson had received a death threat in February 2019, which Anderson dismissed, despite being informed by an insider in the house that it was from Flor de Lis. He never believed that Flor de Lis would go that far, and there were text messages to prove this had taken place. 
in his testimony, Lucas was not there during the murder, but he had brought the gun to be used. He reported that there were no motorcycles, no hysteria ongoing during the time of the murder, and that he saw Flavio shoot him six times. This is a remarkable detail because both Flavio and Lucas confessed this detail on the same day, so we can say there is some truth to the shooting six times. But then again, Anderson was shot more than 30 times. If Flavio claimed to have shot Anderson six times, who shot the rest? So fast forward to two months later, on August 16, 2019, Flavio and Lucas are now accused of homicide, with Flavio also accused of illegal possession of firearms. However, Lucas divulges one little detail. The order for the murder was messaged to him by his mother via her cell phone. And this is why people get burner phones, ladies and gents. So, Miss Lordelise, on the other hand, she was handing out conflicting statements to the police. So, at first she said, oh, I already fell asleep, then I heard gunshots, but I didn't bother to wake up because, you know, gunshots are common in the area. Then I heard screaming, and then I woke up. So, that was her first statement. But then her second statement goes like, Oh, I woke up. I went inside a room with 10 children in it, talked with a son, and then suddenly hear gunshots 10 minutes later. They're very, very, very different stories, Miss Florida Lee. It's very fishy. And that's not all. Miss Florida Lee, she said that her adopted son, Daniel, found a dying Anderson, placed him inside the car to get to the hospital, but Daniel had a different story. According to Daniel, he heard the shots, and when the shots have stopped, he went to his mom, but he didn't find her in her room. Instead, he sees her being hysterical while going downstairs, screaming, They killed my husband! They killed my husband! But wait, Miss Lordelise, how did you know that your husband was the one shot? Very fishy indeed. Fast forward to November. On November 2019, police recovered a letter allegedly written by Mizel, one of the adopted sons, where Mizel was confessing to being the mastermind behind Anderson's murder. However, police were quick to note that he was set up. Someone else wrote the letters who asked to pin the blame on him. Now, I wonder who could have said this very, very obvious, very obvious letter. And then there was silence. It seemed as if this case was going to be forgotten, that Flavio and Lucas would have been the only one sentenced to 12 to 30 years in prison. But the universe works in mysterious ways. Task Force Lucas 12, the group in charge of the investigation of the case, revealed the most shocking facts about this. They really went down the rabbit hole for this one, and I am so glad they did. Props to you guys. In August 2020, Task Force Lucas 12 announced in a press conference the entire master plan. Like, there was a master plan. Yo. So, it was concluded that Miss Fleur Delias. She was the mastermind, and she had eight of her children involved in this crime. Ooh! So, <laughs> okay, that was the aim. Florida Lee's mastermind, 
eight children involved in this crime. Insert meme that goes pretends to be shocked. Deets. Florida Lee's and most of the first-gen kids have poisoned Anderson with arsenic and cyanide six times. She was also the one who purchased the murder weapon, the gun that was used to shoot Anderson more than 30 times. And they also tried to set up two robberies previously, theft followed by execution. So the second staged robbery was the one that became successful with Flavio putting in the six shots and a supposed hitman performing the rest. I couldn't find an exact news source that states that a hitman hired by Fleur Delis was involved, but I decided to put this in because a lot of Brazilian accounts that follow this case included the presence of a hitman. So take this with a grain of salt. According to Anderson's ex-girlfriend and Fleur Delis's biological daughter, Simone, he was, quote-unquote, hard to kill after several assassination attempts. Like... Why? Why? <laughs> Apparently, they also had it set up in a way that Flavio was the one who will take all the blame for the crime because Flavio has his violent tendencies. And they also had some brainwashing involved. They brainwashed him into doing it. Evil, just pure evil. The motive was said to be financially driven as Anderson was the one in charge of all finances in the family. So, from purchasing food and other needs of the family, he did that. One of the adopted daughters said that there have been arguments over finances since 2006, but it had gotten worse since 2016. According to investigators, Anderson controlled the family with an iron fist. Anderson had also wanted to divorce Fleur de Lis for a while now. Should the divorce take place, Anderson would get 50% of the money and leave the other half with Fleur de Lis and her cult. I mean, their children and the ministry. But according to Fleur de Lis, as per the message she sent to one of her children, quote unquote, do what? I can't divorce him because I will be offending the name of the Lord. And that being a widow was more acceptable. Um... That's kind of an extreme way to put it, but I just feel like she's just trying to find a way so as to salvage her reputation. Now, on to the more gruesome details of this case. If you thought we're done, you're wrong. Florida Lisa's children were divided into the first gen and the second gen, as I mentioned before. The first gen kids included Florida Lisa's own kids and the five other kids who were rescued from drug trafficking ordeals. The second gen included the children she mass adopted back then. So apparently, there was a difference in treatment between the first gen and second gen kids. So while the first-gen kids, they were treated humanely, the second-gen kids were treated like dirt. According to investigators, the first-gen kids had unlimited access to food. Meanwhile, the second-gen kids had to sleep in smaller shared rooms and could only eat dry bread, old rice and pasta, and sausage. The testimonies from the second-gen kids were filled with hurt and resentment. According to daughters Roberta and Diane, Flor Delis did not have that love and compassion she was promoting and that they felt used by the couple to further their ambitions. That's so sad. Lucas, the adopted son who was arrested, also mentioned that Flor Delis had a baseball bat which she would use to discipline her children. 
and that Simone, her biological daughter, also served as a spy to ensure that things are running smoothly. And uh, and not only that, but apparently Flordelius and Anderson would get themselves sexually involved with the adopted family members. Okay, insert puking here. Flordelius also frequented a swing house and that she had her own exclusive room. One of the second-gen adopted sons reported that Fleur-de-Lis went to his room to have sex with him and that she would offer her adopted daughters for foreign pastors during their stay in Brazil for sexual acts. According to reports of multiple social media accounts keeping track of this case, one of the sons revealed that there was this initiation ritual he had to perform upon joining the family where he spent days locked inside a room only to consume rice and vegetables and wear all white clothing during his stay there. And the final act to ensure his quote-unquote purity, he had to sleep with Florida's. He also reported that they would have to slice their hands and write the psalms in their own blood, and Mr. Anderson would sleep with the other adopted daughters for purification. Now, let's talk about the aftermath. So after the whole investigation, seven of Fleur de Lise's children and one granddaughter had been arrested, along with a former police officer and his wife. And... As for Miss Flor Delis, pop quiz. All right. So, how long does Miss Flor Delis stay in jail? Is it A, ten years in jail with parole? Letter B, thirty years in jail with parole? Or C, trick question. She's not in jail. If you answered C, then you're absolutely correct, okay? If you're thinking she's gonna pay for her crime, you're wrong. She is actually free and thriving as a government official to this day, enjoying her parliamentary immunity. So the members in the parliament, they tolerate her, but the detectives are trying to arrest her nonetheless. Perhaps while she is in public office, she won't be arrested, but... These are the crimes he's being convicted for, by the way. Triple qualified homicide, criminal association, ideological falsehood, use of false documents, and attempted murder by poisoning. So, five crimes. Oh, and as for her ministries, there used to be six branches, but after she was exposed, four of those branches closed down. Luan and Missile, Two of the adopted sons who became preachers have left the ministry. Because of the infamy associated with Fleur de Lis, the ministry slowly removed her name and turned it into the Evangelical City of Fire. Apparently, the ministry has been in debt for a while now, so much so they had difficulty paying rent. Even though they were receiving a lot of money from churchgoers, they were also spending a lot of money. Despite everything, there are still some churchgoers for the remaining two branches that are open. And according to Flor Delis, she isn't going to give up and she will be attending her church services soon. On her Instagram account, yes, she has an Instagram account. I'm not going to say the username, but she does. 
she's still posting about how she misses Anderson, that she's struggling at life without him, and I'm like, here's hoping that people don't buy into this BS anymore because she's already proven guilty. Her quote-unquote children have already spoken against her, and some of her biological children are in prison while she's enjoying parliamentary immunity for her crimes. I leave you to decide whether she's deserving of pity or not after this episode. So, that's done. Recap. Flor Delise, this woman who grew up in poverty, adopts many kids to save them from trafficking and abuse, has a relationship with a 15-year-old boy she adopted and the ex-boyfriend of her biological daughter, by the way, while she was 31, marries said boy, establishes a ministry-slash-cult, forces her adopted kids to have sex with her for purification, has them read Bible verses in their own blood, emotionally manipulates her children to do her dirty work, sells thousands of gospel albums, has a movie about her, murdered her husband-slash-adopted son because of money, and still got away with it because of parliamentary immunity. Now, let's talk about this. The issue regarding her going to jail, but but it's not going to push through because she has parliamentary immunity. I think that she should be made an exception to this case, okay? Or if ever the law be reviewed for this, um, please make an exception for this case because... She has to be responsible for her crimes. She was the mastermind behind all of this. And meanwhile, all of her accomplices are in jail. Meanwhile, she, on the other hand, isn't even taking responsibility. And I think that's that's so unfair. And it just, I think in a way, it kind of boosts her ego that, oh, I got away with it, that sort of line of thinking. As for her ministry... I think her family should not be trusted to continue the ministry. I would feel bad for those people who were actually interested in taking part of the ministry. But it's just that you're associated with her. There's still a relationship to it. And I think that for you to run a ministry, you have to be a person who does not obey god's rules in vain because the way i see it you know she like florida lise was doing it for show and well she everything was for show she was involved well she definitely was involved in adultery and murder and she used reasons of religion in order to propel her own ambitions and that's bad do i think she has possible psychiatric issues going on there were no reports about florida taking a psychiatric exam but based from the events and from the limited childhood that we've gathered here are some stuff that we have observed so far so her confidence stems from a lot of activities involving personal gain and pleasure pleasure aka the sexual abuse of her kids she established her own set of rules that totally violate social norms for her own gratification without regard of the feelings of her quote-unquote children. She pretends to be this woman of integrity, a woman of God, and she, until this day, assumes her innocence from this crime despite the amount of evidence and statements against her. She was so angry at her husband, she tried to resolve everything by trying to kill him up like more than six times. Total disregard and rejection of responsibility for the murder of her husband. A lot of these behaviors kind of pinpoint to 
of personality disorder, particularly antisocial personality disorder. Not diagnosing, but one thing's for sure, she needs a therapist. She needs to own up to her actions. She needs to understand the gravity of her actions, even dating back into the 90s, and practice what she preaches, okay? So, my fellow macabre enthusiasts, adults grooming kids and teens to be your partner is morally wrong, okay? We see that with Florida Lee's and her adopted son-turned husband. This is so wrong. As an adopted son, he is to rely on you for family support. Yet, Miss Fordelis thought it was okay to form a romantic partnership with a kid who is old enough to be her son, a kid who dated her daughter even. So, yeah, that is not good. And see, she needs to go to jail ASAP, okay? She totally needs to go to jail. And that's it for today's episode with Miss Fordelis. If you've reached this part of the episode, I'd like to give my thanks to you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this episode, please leave a like. Rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other Android podcast apps out there. We would totally appreciate the rating or the comments and all that. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh... If you have any suggestions or stories that you would want to hear on this podcast, you can email us at inthemoodpodcast at gmail.com, okay? So, this will be released in time for the holidays. I know this is this story is quite a downer for the holidays, but we're keeping it in the mood for Macabre 24-7, 365 days a year, regardless if it's the holidays or not. So, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the remainder of this year. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers, and stay in the mood. Goodbye.